Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Friday, May 20th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulger. And I'm Brett Goodman. And we come to you three times a week trying to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We are so glad you are with us. Happy Friday. Before we begin, let's have a moment for prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, as we come to you in prayer, wherever we are in our day, whatever is happening in our lives, whether we are speaking or listening, we pray that we would experience your grace and truth in a new way, that we would know who you are, that we would know that your love permeates all through the world, bringing us new life. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Friends, listen again to the story from Acts, the 17th chapter, verses 16 through 31. While Paul was waiting in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us. We would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling and hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed 
And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Tara, for our Friday fun question, what is the best or most convincing lie you have ever either told or been told? I'm going to preface this by saying that, you know, a long time ago on Brian and my first date, we were set up on a date. So on our first date, I can't remember, we're leaving the movie theater and he asked me a question and I said, hold on just a second. I need to think about that answer. I want to make sure I tell you the truth. And he said, do you like to lie? Because I love to lie. <laughs> and my first thought was, I'm on a date with a criminal. And my, But you know what he meant was he loves to like pull people's leg. Yeah. This lie he told me for a very different reason, though. Um, Ryan, uh, Brian, sorry. We did not think through the naming of our kid <laughs> to have a Brian and a Ryan in the house. Anyway. Brian loves his television. He comes from a family where if they are conscious, and sometimes even when they're unconscious, the television is on. I grew up without a TV, full stop. And so the whole of our married life is him turning on the TV and me turning it off and him turning on the TV. So we got this new TV once because he also always has to have like the latest technology. And he told me, that turning the TV on and off was bad for the TV. So we should probably just leave it on. And I believed him, Brett. I believed him until like two years later, we're out with some friends and somehow it comes up and I said, well, you told me blah, blah, blah. And Brian looked at me and goes, yeah, no, that was just a lie. Isn't that terrible? He altered your life for two years with a I fun am married line. to a criminal. No. <laughs> what about you? That's really funny. Um, my, uh, we used to get the vast majority of our clothes from thrift shops, uh, which was wonderful. But my mom had this interesting little trick where if she liked a shirt, uh, how it looked on us, uh, the style of it, no matter what the brand was, <laughs> she would tell us that it was a really good brand. Hanes is top of the list. Yeah, no, like that kind <laughs> of like, oh, yeah, no, Hanes, that's a really good brand. And us being in elementary school, we didn't know any difference. Trusted our mom. We're like, oh, yeah, Mussimo Target. Like, that's a fantastic brand. And we're like, so for a long time in my life, I was like, I'd see like another kid in the playground wearing Mussimo, and I'd be like, respect. I <laughs> like know, that, right? That, kid, that kid's wearing a nice brand. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that. Not the truth. That is just smart. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> but to our scripture, Paul speaks to the Athenians. When he does that, how does he approach them? How does he speak about, how does he speak the gospel into their lives in a way that they can, that they can hear? So a couple of things. One is that overwhelmingly what I notice about this passage is how respectful Paul is Mm -hmm. of people who aren't believers. Mm -hmm. He's just respectful. Um, The second thing is that he meets them where they are, which I would like to point out is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for all of us. The gospel message is not you do better and I will be your savior. Um, And so when I say that Paul meets them where they are, I mean that he is debating in kind of this classical rhetorical Greek style that was very popular in the marketplace and in other places. That's actually why you go to Areopagus to have these kind of discussions. Um, He tells them the gospel, but more than that, he has walked through their city to try and get to know them. 
he notices that it's full of idols so that by the time he comes and talks to them says i have noticed you are very religious he has taken the time to look around and learn a little something about the people and then meet them where they are, right? Um, he doesn't start with, um, you should be worshiping. He knows they already do. Um, and then I think the other lovely thing is he starts where they are, but he then acknowledges this universal truth, which is we all long for God. Mm. We all long for God. God gave us this desire to seek God. And what we now know is that Jesus Christ is the fullest expression of that. So I just, I don't know, it's so lovely and so respectful. And, um, and I hope, I hope that I am able to do the same thing. He's not threatened by their disbelief. He only, I'll say this, in this passage, it seems to me that Paul only wants to add to their lives, mm. not take anything away. That's, and that's beautiful. I think that's absolutely lovely. Yeah, I uh, I shared with you a little bit earlier when we were talking about this passage that it, I mean, obviously it reminds me of this. There's a book that John Steinbeck wrote called To a God Unknown, uh, which is clearly a reference to, to this story. And it's about a man who comes from out east to out west and starts a farm, starts a new family, and his father dies on on the journey over, who he's very close with. Uh, And there is this big oak tree that he builds his house under. And in that oak tree, uh, he finds comfort. It reminds him of his father. And then eventually it kind of moves into this tree, becomes a form of worship for him. Uh, there's a scene where he, uh, where the priest comes to his house and he pours part of the Eucharist on the on the tree to give it the the blood of Christ. There's this uh, mythic quality and it's very scandalous. And his wife gives birth and he places his newborn on the branch of a tree. And again, there's a kind of a scandal around it um, as as it, he appears to be worshiping this tree instead of Jesus. And so. What his uh, very religious uh, brother-in-law does is kills the tree. He chops at the roots. He poisons them. Uh, and I think that that, is, that compared to Scripture uh, is a perfect dichotomy of Paul is giving us a paradigm of how to do this, but I think far more often we try to chop at the roots of, of someone else's belief or their faith. Uh, and if we're following what Scripture has laid out, what Scripture has given us is the, all the things that you said, uh, that Paul meets these people where they at. Paul engages in their religion. He doesn't. He finds the statue of the unknown God. Uh, that doesn't happen without walking through all the statues and reading about them and seeing what they say and seeing who they uh, are patrons to. Uh, and so Paul enters into this community. He has this discussion. And then, as you've so beautifully phrased, he tries to add to their religious life. There is this, um, I think, in a very um, pluralistic world, uh, and because we have a history of people chopping up the root, trying to chop up the roots of other people's belief, I think there is an anxiety about uh, sharing your faith. Uh, I think there's an anxiety about uh, sharing what you believe. But Paul demonstrates that there doesn't have to you can still claim the truth that you know to be true. If we believe that Christ is this chain-breaking, freeing, grace-filled new way to live, 
that's something you're allowed to share with someone uh, because it is your experience. And if you care about them, that's something that is worth sharing with them. Uh, but there are ways to do it that chop at the roots and there are ways to do it that invites them in. I love that analogy of the tree too because I think what Paul actually does is says you have this tree and mm -hmm. that you're a religious people let me help you water it yeah. and grow it a little more yeah you just want it to grow a little more until you see the fullness of who Jesus Christ is and I just love that um, so that's really really wonderful and I also <clears throat> I think what Paul does here so really just really in a lovely way and it goes back to our passage on Wednesday which is Paul says this is the truth and it's funny because in Greek rhetorical theory at that time it was believed that it was through debate and discussion that you could figure out what the real truth was mm -hmm. and Paul is saying this is truth and I'm asking you to see this truth so that you can live more fully mm. into life I don't know I mean he really does this masterful, lovely thing. Um, and I also want to say, we have spent a lot of time, because that's how I wrote the questions, <laughs> talking about it from Paul's perspective. I also want to be the kind of person who isn't threatened so that when I am invited to water my tree hmm. and see God more fully, I can do it. And yeah. so, you know, I hope that I'm a person who says, can you tell me more about this? because I don't really understand, hmm. and then just listen. Wow, yeah, I think that's lovely. We're going to end with a quote from the journalist H.L. Mencken, and it cracks me up, and I will tell you before I read it to you that a syllogism is just a kind of reasoned argument used in debate. Mencken said, one horse laugh is worth 10,000 syllogisms, <laughs> right? One laugh that connects you with to someone else is worth 10,000 arguments. Hmm. Thank you all for being with us. We hope you have a wonderful and safe weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever upon you. Amen. Amen. Amen.